0: Shop Skims Bras at skims.com. Now available in 62 sizes, 38 through 46H. If you haven't yet, be sure to let them know we sent you. After you place your order, select podcast in the survey and select our show in the drop-down menu that follows. Hi guys, I'm Emma. And I'm Julie. And welcome back to another episode. Hey, Jewel. Hi, am. A lot going on this week an absolutely insane amount. I know. And obviously this is our last Monday episode of the year. We have off the weekend between Christmas and New Year's. And when I think back on this year, there have definitely been weeks where we were really kind of light on stories. And so it just feels very fitting that for our final Monday episode, there is an abundance of content.
1: No, I'm sorry. I cannot believe that for our final episode of the year, Pete took Kim To see the Spider-Man movie at a movie theater in Staten Island and Scott Disick was also there? No, Joy. It's all I can think about. My brain doesn't know what to do with it. I feel like it's a dream that I made up and told you about the next day. It sounds entirely made up every single time I say it.
0: I know. And let me be clear. I recognize this is apparently not their first time in Staten Island, but so far the only photos of them we've gotten together are at Giorgio Baldi in LA and then outside of Zero Bonds in New York. And that still feels normal for Kim to a certain extent. So when she's at a random movie theater in Staten Island in her Balenciaga activewear, it's just, I I thought that at this point I'd get more used to it. And Let me be very clear. I am here for it. I love this for her. I think it makes so much sense in terms of where she's at in her life, but I still can't wrap my head around it.
1: I think if they were doing things that I would consider more Kim-like activities, such as Giorgio Baldi dinners, I would be having an easier time, like allowing my brain to understand this and comprehend it. For example, like If they were in the city and they were exiting Carbone, I'd be like, okay, still weird seeing them together, still not used to it, but like that makes sense. To see them at the movies in Staten Island, apparently that Pete was at Kim's hotel and then they took a car together and Scott also joined them, I think, in that car ride to leave the city to go to Staten Island, to go to the movies, to then go to dinner there. None of that makes sense to me. And the other thing
0: is that typically every time Kim comes to Manhattan, it could be different this time, she stays at the Ritz on Central Park South. And every single time she does that, there are so many paparazzi photos of her leaving. And I recognize last time she was here, it was for SNL. So every single time she left, it was an event. But if that's the hotel that she's staying at, which I can't say with hundred percent certainty, it's just what I would assume given the fact that that's where she stayed every other time. If he was there, I would have expected a shot of them together. And I, I know, you know, she could be let in secretly or let out secretly, but it's not like they're shying away from the paparazzi. So if he really was at her hotel, that's the
1: shot I thought we were gonna get. I would kill for that shot. Kill for that fucking shot, Julie. When you break down what they did, nothing has ever been more normal. She went to the movies and dinner with her boyfriend. Well, let's also
0: add in this added piece of information, which can't say with 100% certainty, But it is being reported that in addition to going to the movie, she also met his mom, Amy, for apparently two or so hours. So
1: just throw that in the mix as all of our brains are trying to make sense of this. The way I feel and what I was thinking about was how mundane this all is for being like the least mundane event that's probably ever happened in in my life, I feel like. But it kind of reminds me of, remember after the Paris robbery when Kim and Kanye were kind of away at that house and they had done a whole shoot there. And it was like, everyone was like, oh, they're playing normal in this like kind of average home. And everyone had those jokes about it. It This kind of reminds me of, okay, now Kim's gone through like a major life event again in terms of going through a divorce. And it almost feels like she's playing normal again.
0: Yeah, I mean, listen, last week we were talking about that famous quote of hers where she basically said that, You know, with Kanye, she had all the grand things, but she never had the little things. And we were talking about that last week and about how it's so clear that she just wants that like lighthearted easiness. And I think last week when we were talking about it, it was more so in the vein of her just being able to have fun. But when you, Take it to almost a different angle in the sense of like the actual activities. And, you know, it's not the entire house being filled with roses on the morning of Valentine's Day and Kenny G playing the saxophone in her living room. And it's something as simple as a movie theater, which I know sounds crazy to say. Maybe that's also part of the appeal.
1: It it must be. I mean, my question is, where do we go from here? Like what, what does Pete and Kim together in, let's say, three months? five months, six months, let's even say. What does that possibly look like? Okay, I'm actually really glad that you brought that up, but let's just backtrack a
0: second because last week when we were talking about Pete and Miley on Fallon and they were promoting their New Year's Eve in Miami and you asked me, do I think that Kim is going to be there? And I think the conclusion that we both came to was that if she was doing the whole Miami's for New Year's Eve thing, meaning she was on the Dave Grutman route, it would make a lot of sense that she would be there for Pete's gig. We both, I think, eventually came to the conclusion, and correct me if I'm wrong, that we don't think she would go there just for that. But if Miami was going to be her plan regardless, and she was doing it up with Dave, that she'd absolutely be there. So then, according to Dumas, and again, who knows if this is confirmed, she is going to be spending New Year's even Miami with him. So if that really does happen, like, forget about three months down the line. I can't
1: even wait two weeks. Well you may not have to wait two weeks because there is an event in between here and then, which is the possibility of him also being at the Kardashian Christmas party. Julie, I'm going to pass out. I know. Do you think that's real? I I wouldn't
0: be surprised. Listen, I have no idea if that's going to happen, but I don't know if this is a hot take. I would not be surprised. That actually feels strangely fitting.
1: Yeah, it does. Um... I I would be surprised only because of the family element of it. It's not just a party like this is, and as big as it is, there's still that intimate feeling of we've done this every year. This is our closest family and friends. On top of that, all of the kids are there, and even though he would just be a guest in attendance, I think that when you're dating somebody, the idea of bringing them around your kids, even in a large party capacity, is still kind of scary especially when you've never done that before. And I think on top of that, I could see Kanye being in attendance at that party over Pete for the sake of the kids. Well, so that was my
0: question to you, because if Kanye is going to be there, then I think absolutely not. There's a 0% chance that he will be there. And I'm, I mean, I'm just making that assumption based on the fact that as little as less than two weeks ago, Kanye was on stage publicly asking him to come back. So that to me feels like a, an absolute 0% chance. But if Connie isn't going to be there, I know that the kids weren't in Palm Springs when they were there for Pete's birthday, but Chris was there. Some of the other family was there. So I I guess I'm just saying, I think it's a possibility. Oh, it's absolutely a
1: possibility.
0: <laughs> this is
1: crazy, Julie. Like,
0: if, if there was a trajectory of the way that we have discussed this, at first it was In such a joking manner, we thought that there was zero legitimacy to this, zero. And then slowly but surely, the proof started to come into the point where we couldn't deny it and we've just been processing
1: it in real time. And I still feel like I'm actively processing it. The fact that they are together is something that can't be denied or ignored any longer. Like obviously we've come to terms with that. And not that it was something like negative that we had to come to terms with. It's just like we had to rationalize that in our brains and we've kind of gotten to that point. The thing that we still don't have the answer to or the thing that our brains still can't really compute is what is the nature of their relationship? Like, is this just hooking up? Is this hooking up, but they really do have a lot of fun together and they enjoy spending time together, but both of them know this isn't serious. Is this something where one or both of them ends up getting hurt in the end? Is this one where this relationship ends up lasting a lot longer than we ever expected it to? Not end game just way longer than we would have thought. I don't know because
0: in my mind they're hooking up but it's more than just sexual. It's like a lot of fun and they're just having a really easygoing fun time together and they just happen to hook up at the end of the night. That's what it feels like to me. It doesn't feel like a boyfriend-girlfriend situation and if if I'm being honest with you, I still can't imagine them getting to a point, but it's it's possible. I mean, I know we're going to talk about The Barry Weiss podcast later in the Kardashian recap. But can we talk about that one moment for a second? Of course. So, as I'm sure most of you saw, Kim was on Barry Weiss's podcast, honestly. And the title was The Power of Kim Kardashian. And at the end, they did this kind of lightning round. And the question was, Who's your favorite SNL cast member? And Kim goes, What a setup. And then she goes, Barry, you know. And that was it. They moved on. There was no conversation about it. But in my mind, the reason that was so validating is because that was the first acknowledgement from either party that this was a real thing. And I think last week that's what we were saying like we just want some form of an acknowledgement which I know we got a little bit when Pete was on Seth Meyers and you know Seth obviously went to ask him and he completely like flipped it but still that felt a little bit this was even more. This was feeding me.
1: Yeah, this was exactly what I I needed for a split second thing because First of all, if she's going to speak about this, I would rather let this progress a little bit longer where she's comfortable being more open about it rather than like kind of getting an answer out of her like quickly off the bat. So I'm comfortable with getting a little hint here and there and a little confirmation in her own words of what's going on rather than a full, you know, timeline of events and a full breakdown of feelings. Like I can wait for that information, especially because – Best best case scenario is this is kind of all we get for now, which is little references to it and paparazzi photos. And then the Hulu show comes out and we really, really get the understanding of what's going on.
0: I mean, that's what I have been hoping for. And if it was a different family member, I don't know if I would feel as hopeful. But I think that Kim, it's not only that she is super transparent it's like she has that Kris Jenner mindset of she wants to put the things on the show that she knows people are going to live for. And so I think she'll do it in a very Kim way, but I do think we will get even more hints there. I don't know if it's going to be a whole documentation of the entire process, but I absolutely could see her in a confessional kind of playing into this. You know, Of course, SNL is going to be discussed, so why would this be any different?
1: There's going to have to be a certain element added to the show to ensure its success and big storylines like this are almost going to have to be spoken about.
0: Yeah. Okay. Well, let me be very clear on my stance on this. I genuinely still think they could be sitting at the kitchen table eating salads. And I think every single person that watched it on E would be watching it on Hulu. And I still think that the audience is that widespread that it wouldn't necessarily matter. But the reason that it may need to be discussed is because of we always talk with this, the element we've never had before with their show, which is they're operating more in real time. You know, there can be a two-month turnaround, a three-month turnaround tops. That never happened before. So yes, I, I very much feel you on that. And I I just
1: think they're gonna lean into it. I really hope so. And like I was kind of saying before, in terms of hoping she speaks about it on the show, I will take any of them explaining something in a confessional over them explaining it in an interview any day. Oh, you mean like on a Kimmel or something? Right. Like if I had to choose between Kim giving me a full Pete breakdown on an interview show or on Barry Weiss's podcast or any of the above sort of things, I would take her sitting in a confessional on the show, giving it to us that way any single day of the week. Yes, because the other
0: thing that, we have to remember is that they are executive producers of that show. So naturally she's going to be a lot more candid in her confessional, knowing that she can always cut anything when she goes on Fallon, that's a one take type of situation. So she's naturally going to be slightly more reserved because she doesn't have the ability to edit it later. Right. This is like absolutely wild. Also, I just can't get over the vision of
1: her sitting down with Pete's mom. Me either. I don't know how true that one is, but I, I, even just the visual of the possibility that happened is just sending me. I still can't get over him. Like, I really do believe
0: that he wakes up in that Staten Island apartment and he's just like, what the fuck? Again, let me be super clear. I've gotten over the looks of it all. Like, I get that he is a heartthrob to a large portion of this country, and that is totally fair. I'm more so saying, How did he get himself involved in like the
1: Kardashians? I have just no idea. I mean, there's two elements of this that I still need to discuss, which is the first one being like, okay, SNL gets canceled for the week, right? Obviously, presumably a Saturday night, he wouldn't be at the movies with Kim. He would be doing his job. And SNL, because of a couple of testing positive cases and because of the rise of COVID in the city, they canceled the show essentially for the week and they did a very small version with Paul Rudd still hosting my question is how does that then play out in terms of Pete and Kim like was that their plan for the night and Pete called her and said like well there's no SNL but do you and Scott want to go to the movies maybe like what yes that is honestly what I think happened and then the second element of it is like we haven't even spoken about Scott being there how how did he get involved in all of this I don't know but Scott
0: being there is absolutely hands down my favorite plotline of this entire thing. And if I were choosing one family member to be in attendance, I would choose him any day of the week. Especially because when we talk about the new relationships in the family, the two newest are of course Courtney and Travis and Kim and Pete. Clearly they are to different degrees. But we know for a fact that Scott is removed from all things Courtney and Travis and any kind of new memories that they're creating in that realm, he is not a part of. And so for Kim to be entering a new relationship, I want nothing more than Scott to be heavily involved in
1: that. You know, what's a hilarious thought. Mm. Scott and Pete talking shit about Travis because Scott's jealous of the relationship between Travis and Courtney, and Peach jealous of the relationship between Travis and Machine Gun Kelly. (laughs) No, that is hilarious. I can't think of a funnier dinner conversation between two people than a conversation between Scott and Pete Davidson. I bet Kim was peeing her pants at that dinner. Uh, The thought of it makes me lose my mind. The thought of it makes me do a lot of things. And where'd Chris Rita come from? Well- I think that anytime yeah. Scott's in the city, Chris Rita's automatically invited to whatever plan it is. I just I that's actually even funnier, which is I'm sure that Scott and Chris Rita were supposed to go to SNL together, and that's kind of how this whole plan came to be. Like I wouldn't be surprised if Scott was some like super Paul Rudd fan and then begged Kim to be able to go to this. <laughs> the idea of the plan being made between Pete and Kim, where Pete asked her to go to the movies and then passes that information on to scott and then scott has to call chris Reed and be like by the way we're not going to snl anymore but do you have any interest in going to staten island to go see spider-man is just all of it is so goddamn funny to me i i can't even believe that it's real
0: <laughs> the way that i envision it going down is that scott is just 100 there for the ride like he calls chris and he's just as confused as all of us he's like i don't really know just got off the phone with kim i guess
1: we're going to staten island or some shit also, Scott's like a born and raised New Yorker. He's probably like, what the fuck am I doing in Staten Island? This is really wild. And
0: and I just want to say it one more time for the end of the year, final time we are going to be discussing it on this podcast towards the end of the year. Let me just say, I respect your opinion if you think that this is 100% for PR. I 100% think that it is not. And everything that we have heard is that they are actually hooking up. And I really believe that.
1: I'm cracking up because I thought that you were going to clarify again that like you may not see it, but it's not a looks thing anymore. And like you understand people being attracted to him. And I was going to say like, listen, I don't think you need to like cover it anymore. Like I feel like I am so attracted to Pete Davidson that it makes up enough for the both of us that like you can freely express your opinion on what you think of him. (laughs) No, no, no. I'm over that. (laughs) I'm over that. I, it's just not for me, but I get, I get the appeal for others. I know we'll get there. Don't worry. What else do you want to say about this? I I want to never stop talking about it, but I think for the sake of this podcast not being three and a half hours, we might have to move on to another story, unfortunately.
0: Yeah. I don't know, you guys. There's just so much here, and I am absolutely positive that more things will happen on the week that we are off. And you know what I was thinking about? What? Do you remember when it was, I guess, Chris's birthday, and they were singing karaoke? Yes. And – for a split second, everybody thought that Pete was there, but it ended up just being Ellen DeGeneres. Yeah, that was so funny. <laughs> I am already imagining that happening at the Christmas Eve party. Like there's going to be a shot of blonde hair. Everybody's going to think that it's Pete. And by the way, it very well could be if Kanye's not there, but then it's just going to be Ellen DeGeneres. And I think that that mix up that will maybe continue to happen is such a funny concept.
1: That is so hysterical. Oh. <sighs> I
0: don't know, guys, let's just take a breather and we'll be back. But wow, this is this is the best content in the world. In the world. So I know we're all kind of operating at a different skill level when it comes to makeup. Like I have some friends who they do their makeup and it looks like they got it professionally done. I have others who know nothing about any products. And then I would say I'm somewhere in the middle, like by no means am I very skilled, but I think I can hold my own. And in terms of my everyday, I'm just doing mascara, lip gloss, and maybe a little bit of highlighter on my inner corner. So if I'm only using a few products, I need them to be excellent. And I've recently been very into the Thrive Cosmetics mascara, which I'll tell you about in a second, but just in general, a note on the company. For every product purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates products and funds to help communities thrive, which I just love knowing that I'm buying from a company that does that. Right now, you can get an exclusive 10% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com slash cbc. That's thrivecosmetics Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S dot com slash cbc for 10% off your first order. People have so many different reasons for wanting to learn a new language. Maybe you have an upcoming trip or just wanna pick up a new hobby or a skill or just connect with a new culture. I know for me, when I was abroad in Barcelona in college, I'm not gonna say that I was fluent in Spanish, but I definitely got to the point where I felt really confident conversing. And when I got home, my dad said to me, For a very limited time, Comments by Celebs listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash comments. That's 50% off and limited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash comments today. A lot going on with Ben Affleck this week, and I really do feel like this was quite the roller coaster in terms of media coverage. Absolutely, yes. So I'm sure most of you had initially seen these clickbait headlines that said something to the effect of Ben Affleck says he would still be drinking if married to Jennifer Gardner felt trapped in his marriage. And basically the entire internet freaks out. You know, obviously we know how much she has been through with him and being so helpful and I think compassionate through his sobriety. And in general, I just think Jennifer Gardner is so beloved that people were livid. And I'm going to get into all of this, but basically those were quotes taken from a Howard Stern interview that he did. And a few days later, he goes on Jimmy Kimmel and really just clarifies all of it, saying how he was so upset. You know, he had finished the Howard Stern interview. He felt so good about it. He was talking at length about his life. And it was one small moment that was so taken out of context. And really the reason he was so upset about it was because it really had the potential to hurt his children. And Julie and I both decided like, before we even discuss this, like, let's listen to this Howard Stern interview in its entirety. And so I listened to the entire two and a half hours, and I'm so glad that I never was up in arms over those few clickbait headlines I read because that was such bullshit. If you listen to this interview, this is the man that talks for two and a half hours and goes really deep. And this conversation took place right after Howard Stern was talking to him about growing up with a father who was an alcoholic and the trauma that that really put him through and how so much of the way that he felt about himself, you know, had to do with not feeling a certain amount of love by his father. I mean, it was such a deep conversation. And when they get into the Jennifer Gardner of it all, which was really brief in comparison to the rest of the interview, he was just saying that they were two people that were no longer working. They recognized it and you know, they had to do what was best for his, for their kids. And yes, he did say that quote of like, I just, I didn't know what to do. And, and I felt trapped. And that's why I was drinking a bottle of scotch at night and sleeping on the couch. But it, he was fully taking the blame himself. He said nothing but kind things about Jennifer Gardner, knowing how great of a mother she was. And I, I felt so, this is going to sound so weird. I know I'm like getting weirdly passionate after listening to that Howard Stern interview, I felt such a sense of like, compassion or connection to him, that the next day when he goes on Kimmel, I really felt like his frustration was so valid because that was such bullshit the way that the media did that to him.
1: Well, I think the biggest issue with what it was portrayed was that the way the headlines were framing this wasn't just, you know, Ben Affleck says he would still be drinking if he was with Jennifer Garner, it was framed in a way where it made it seem like he was blaming Jennifer Garner for his alcoholism and he never once did that. Now, I saw kind of two sides of what was being said in this, in the sense of I think that he absolutely did not disrespect her in any way. And I think that the comments that he made were so much more about the relationship between unhappiness and depression and alcoholism and the way that marriage can make you feel, and especially a marriage that isn't working. I think what people were upset about that was valid in a takeaway from the interview was I think that in an attempt to explain his relationship with Jennifer Garner and his relationship with his kids, I think what he left out was how much Jennifer Garner did to help him with his alcoholism, and I think had that been added in and that been clarified from the start, there would have been less ambiguity about Jennifer Garner's role in all of this or what he perceived his wife's, his ex wife's role in all of this to be. I understand what you're
0: saying, and it's not that it's like I, that I necessarily disagree or that it's wrong. I think that factually, if he did that, the outrage or quote would have been less. Although I think anybody that listened to the entire interview. There's just no percent chance that you could be upset by this if you actually listen to the interview. That being said, that wasn't the tone of the conversation. It wasn't about that. It's so much more so related to his dad and. You know the irony of all of this is that this—he's promoting this movie that is directed by George Clooney called *The Tender Bar*, and in the movie he is the uncle, and the child's father. I haven't seen it, but a, a way that they were describing it, the child's father, in a lot of ways, has a lot of similarities to his father growing up. He's kind of absent. He is an alcoholic. He doesn't give him that love that that he really needs, and what Ben Affleck was lacking when he was growing up. And so, so much of what he was saying was just about how. Being a dad gave him this really unique ability, like being a dad himself, and then also being on the flip side of it, of having a a father that didn't show up for him in the way that he needed to, like it gave him a really good perspective. And when he mentioned this, the conversation wasn't about Jennifer Gardner. That's why I don't think that praising her in that way was necessarily um, essential to, to the story. It
1: wasn't like he intentionally left it out. He just wasn't going through the entire journey of his sobriety. No, I I totally agree. And I kind of felt the same way when I listened in terms of it wasn't a necessary part of what he was saying to throw in or explain. I think what people potentially were upset about was the fact that it's not just that Jennifer Garner and him were married and then he was an alcoholic and got sober. It was that she was really essential in that journey in terms of like she went above and beyond what she had to do as an ex-wife in terms of helping him, driving him to rehab. We've all seen those photos. So when you have that image stuck in your head, and again, I completely agree with you in the sense of every headline that was spread was so taken out of context and so twisted everything that he said and made him seem like such a terrible guy when that was not at all the vibe of the interview. That's not at all what he was saying. And it really twisted his words. I just think that as the public, when those images are permanently burned in your mind of Jen Garner kind of being the saint as we all see her and taking his, her ex husband, who's basically throwing up in the back of her car to a rehab, when you're talking about her in somewhat of context in terms of how your alcoholism started, I think what the public was expecting there was the acknowledgement of the sobriety. Had he included that, the entire reaction from the public would have been completely different. I don't disagree, although I still think, even if he followed it up
0: with some really beautiful tribute to her and just expressing all of his gratitude, if he still said what he said, I think the headlines would have been exactly what they were because that's what gets the clicks. And this to me, let me be honest with you like, we listen back to our own episodes before we post them so many times. Like, it's, I don't even know, at the end of the week, we could probably listen to 18 hours of content or something. So, it's very rare that I will listen to a podcast that's two and a half hours, just because I'm already listening to so much audio, like of us talking, that I just don't want to listen to anyone else talking. It's just too much. Like I just want to listen to music. So to listen to a two and a half hour interview, which is so rare for me to do, and to really witness this guy go so deep, and I thought he was so fucking transparent with everything. I I just felt his outrage. It was such a it was such a low shot. It really really was. And you want to know something, Julie? I am so glad that this is why we don't do those knee-jerk reactions of posting that shit on our story. Because you know how many people were sending us those posts being like, oh, fuck that he's 6'4. Like, can't wait to hear you guys shit on Ben. Like just like the meanest things, like before even before we even knew what was going on. I am so glad we never posted that because now that I have the full picture, I feel so much more well
1: informed. Especially because when you have an interview like Howard Stern that you listen to, if you are a subscriber of SiriusXM, I know that the majority of people who are posting knee-jerk reactions are posting without listening, not only because they're posting based off a clickbait headline, but because I know that factually they probably did not log into their SiriusXM or buy a free subscription to be able to listen. I know logically that. And listen, if you listen to that interview and you do listen to SiriusXM and you still had a reaction to it, I, I can understand that if that's how you took those words to be. I personally did not listen and think that that was the case. But at least if you listened and you listened to the full interview and that was your takeaway, you still did your homework of really understanding the context it was set in. If you see it on a headline and you react so strongly, you're missing so much context and so much tone of voice and so much that you would never, ever be able to get. Even if you read the clickbait Headline and then read the full article.
0: He literally walked out on Kimmel. They had maybe 30 seconds of bullshit back and forth, and then he jumped into it. Like you could tell how pissed he was because at the end of the Howard thing, he says, like, you know, this was so great. Like he's like, I just wish all of them were like this. And what's interesting is that throughout the entire interview, he spoke about different times when he has felt so wronged by the media. And how, you know, he knows it is part of the job. He gets it, but it's just really not something that he enjoys. So I felt like it was so unfair. Here's this guy that has this almost like newfound appreciation for doing interviews after having to do so many that he dislikes. And then
1: that's what they take. I completely understand. And I really, honestly, personally appreciated how upset he was that as soon as he was on Kimmel, it was like straight to clarification because he wasn't going to let that headline exist for one more moment without making sure that he said exactly what he meant and clarified exactly what he meant. And, you know, it's funny because my friend's mom actually texted me after having listened to the Howard Stern interview, and she is notoriously not a Ben Affleck fan. Like, she has said to me multiple times during his relationship with J-Lo and even a little bit before, especially during quarantine, when he was kind of, like, the butt of the joke in terms of being just a viral meme about everything, about what, honestly, a loser she finds Ben Affleck to be. And it was this constant back-and-forth joke and she texted me as soon as she listened to Howard Stern and she was like, wow, I'm so blown away and impressed. She was like, as soon as I saw articles coming out about it, I was like, nobody listened to this because if you listen to it, you walk away from this feeling like you have such a better, more intimate understanding of him. Yes. And I don't know why I'm feeling so
0: like personally validated about you just telling me that, but I... Swear I do. And also, the other thing is like, don't misunderstand. Anytime anybody talks about their sobriety, I absolutely admire it. I love the destigmatization. Like, the list goes on. You know how I feel about that. But out of the two and a half hours, it wasn't even like that was the thing he was the most excited to talk about. You know, he even made a comment about how he doesn't necessarily find it to be so profound. Like, some of the stories that he was talking about from back in the day from working with Robin Williams and when Robin Williams was named by Entertainment Weekly the number 1 comedian in the world how Ben goes to congratulate him and Robin makes a comment to him like yeah but you know they put Jim Carrey on the cover like they needed Jim Carrey to to sell it and he was basically saying like Robin Williams was one of the kindest most Gracious, giving people one of the best entertainers of our generation. Yet he also was plagued with the insecurity that so many entertainers have. And him and Howard Stern, what I, got into what I thought was a fascinating conversation about it. And he was saying, like, you have to understand, and it's not that I didn't know this, but I've never heard him talk about it in this way. Like, him and Matt Damon have been best friends since they were eight and ten years old. And the fact that Goodwill Hunting, you know, took off in the way it did, and they actually got that shot. Of course, it was nothing short of miraculous. But what's really more so remarkable was the way that their careers both continued to grow, both together and separately. And how when he got, when Ben got an agent, he called up Matt and he said, Listen, I think that you, I think that you got to talk to this guy. Like, I think you need an agent as well. And Howard was saying, like, so few people would have done that in the situation because the business, like, really makes your mindset be one of, just such a cutthroat nature, which it is. And so no matter who you come into it with, no matter who your close friends are, it's like, I still got to beat out that guy. And what I found was so like interesting to listen to was that on one hand, Ben was super honest about the fact that, listen, if I'm going up against Matt for a role, I wanted to get it every time. But guess what? If I didn't get it, he's the only fucking guy I wanted to get it. And like just the way that their relationship has, has maintained itself
1: amidst all of this, I found... I just found to be very, very interesting. Yeah. I mean, there was, again, like you said, so much more to this interview than just the clickbait headlines. And I think that both of us were so happy to be able to listen to such a longer version with a different lens than most people had because we learned so much from it. And I thought what was also interesting in the aftermath wasn't just the clickbait headlines about what he had said and the quotes being taken out of context. It was also that, news sources started running with this story that JLo was upset about what was being said. And then she had to come out and clarify that that wasn't the case. Oh, yeah. This was really interesting. I want to read her exact clarification. She said to people,
0: the story is simply not true. It's not how I feel. I couldn't have more respect for Ben as a father, a co-parent, and a person. Which, not that there's anything in that particular statement that is so profound, but do you know how big of a deal that must have been to him for her to have to go to People Magazine and make that statement, like that's, to me, that was actually one of the more interesting takeaways from this whole th- situation.
1: To me, it was so interesting also because it's, listen, we've seen a lot of J. lo and Ben recently it's not like they're hiding their relationship or it's some sort of a secret but they don't often speak about each other and so for one of the very few times that jlo speaks about Ben for it to be a clarification on an interview was just fascinating it, w- it was fascinating especially given the context and right. the
0: other thing about when he went on Kimmel is like he Directly called out the Dunkin' Donuts thing. Like he's like, listen, I'm fine with sad Batman. I'm fine with the Dunkin' memes. Like I get it. You know, I get it. He was basically just saying like, when this so directly impacts my children, that's where you got to draw the line. And I I just, I think that's what it was. Oh my God, there's so much. Wait, there was there was this one part. Sorry, last thing I'll say. There was this one part where he's talking about how he was driving his kid to school, his son who who's nine, and like, I guess, you know, the kids at school saw that he was coming and they're saying like, Ben Affleck, Ben Affleck. And like, I guess Ben
1: saw it and the kid turns to him and goes, hashtag welcome to my life. That was another discussion that they kind of briefly touched on, but is always one that I find to be so interesting, which is kids at a certain age having a celebrity parent. And he said, my kids have two celebrity parents, two major celebrity parents. He's like, and that's a big burden for them to have to carry. He's like, I'm not going to pretend for one second that like, that's not a lot that we put on them. And that's a point of view that I am always so interested in, in terms of like, you're a normal nine-year-old. You go to school every single day, like a normal nine-year-old. Your dad picks you up from school every single day, like a normal nine-year-old. How is it that that life can exist and be so normal while being so abnormal all at the same time. Well,
0: something that I really appreciated about their conversation was he basically made a point to say, like, my kids do not find me cool at all. You know, they are the first ones to tell me how uninterested they are kind of in in my craft, like in a, in a very endearing way. And the point that Howard was kind of making is that, Ben never had that luxury with his father. He could never say something like that to him. And so Ben almost welcomes his kids being able to be that honest and that transparent with him and almost have that joking relationship because that didn't exist in in his relationship because telling his dad that he wasn't proud of him carried so much more weight than his daughter making kind of like a joking comment about how movies really just are kind of uninteresting to her.
1: That's so interesting. Somebody else was speaking about this in an interview recently, and I cannot for the life of me remember who it was, but it was somebody basically saying like, "There's even when their kids are disrespectful to them, like their kids said, shut up to them or something. And it wasn't in a joking way. And it was like in a very serious way. And they were like, as upset as I am by it, I'm so happy that my kids feel so comfortable with me to be able to do that and be able to tell me what they're feeling, even if it's a raw emotion. And even if it's not the type of censored and polite emotion that we grew up having with our parents because it means that they're able to be real with me. Yes, and that they feel
0: safe enough to be able to do so, which to me, like we I feel like we talk about this every podcast somehow, just like the idea of safety, how that's like one of the most driving forces in life. And that's exactly what he was communicating. Right. I don't know. I could see someone listening to it and not enjoying it, but personally for me, I loved every single second and I never thought I would say that about a two and a half hour podcast. Yeah, me too. This is Baby Making Simplified. Find free to fertility on Amazon, Target, and select CVS near you. 50 high school senior girls descend on Mobile, Alabama every summer to compete for a massive cash prize. It isn't Survivor, it's one of America's most lucrative scholarship competitions for teen girls. It's been around for seven decades. Now you'll hear what took place behind the scenes. So before we get into this next story, I just want to give a trigger warning for sexual assault. As I'm sure most of you saw, on Thursday, Chris Noth was accused of sexual assault by two separate women. And this was in a story published by The Hollywood Reporter. And in it, they basically said that two separate women came to them. These were for incidents from 2004 and 2015. And they were basically saying that you know all of the press and promotion around his return to sex in the city really stirred up a lot of this trauma for them. And a point that I just want to make clear because personally for me, I don't know if you guys feel this way, when this was initially reported by the more general media, I don't think that this was communicated as well. Let me make this very clear. I'm only emphasizing this. Like This is not relevant in terms of believing these women's stories. We believe them unequivocally, but I do think it's important context these women came to the hollywood reporter months apart and months ago it's not as though sex and the city came out and then they both you know on the same day came to them which is the way that in my opinion when i first read some of these articles it made it out to be again we believe these women regardless of their timeline but i do think that it's important information to have that they had come to the hollywood reporter months apart not knowing each other and kind of separately
1: right and something when you obviously read the article, as everybody should, is that the Hollywood Reporter did their research in this in terms of collecting the story and speaking to friends and witnesses and and people who were intimately familiar with the story that happened, both of these stories that happened years prior. And so what I think was lacking for a lot of people in their understanding of the story, again, like you said, not that this changes anything, not that this changes Believing these women when they come forward, not that any sort of accusation that is quote unquote timely is somehow worse than the sexual assault itself, because I think a lot of people run with that and it's completely incorrect and inappropriate and disgusting. But on top of that, when you have a piece that's written like this, the research takes months. It's kind of in the hands of the Hollywood reporter in terms of when they come out with their story, not when these women come out with their story. And so again, not that it changes anything, but it is important to have that context of what this article contains and the work that went into the story that's coming out in terms of ensuring the legitimacy of it.
0: Yes. And so in terms of just a timeline, the first thing that happened after that report came out is that Chris responded directly with the statement. I'm going to read it quote, the accusations against me made by individuals I met years, even decades ago are categorically false. These stories could have been from 30 years ago or 30 days ago. No always means no. That's a line I did not cross. The encounters were consensual. It's difficult not to question the timing of these stories coming out. I don't know for certain why they're surfacing now, but I do know this. I did not assault these women. So after that, a third woman also came forward about an incident that took place in 2010. And he responded to that saying that he had never heard of the third accuser. And I want to give a trigger warning here for domestic abuse. Then articles resurfaces from 1995 and these were court documents from Beverly Johnson who was a model and Chris's ex-girlfriend claiming that he threatened to beat her made death threats against her and her dog and threatened to disfigure her and it is so eerie because when you see these you know these are newspaper articles and there are prints of them this knowledge has been out there for the last what 26 years And somehow, I mean, I don't know about you, I have never once heard about this. Like, I don't know if you want to say Hollywood. I don't know who it is, but whoever did a phenomenal job of hiding this and covering this up. Because I personally did not know that that article existed. And you look at it, that was an article that surfaced
1: widely in the 90s. I don't think this is necessarily a case of Hollywood going into overdrive to try and cover up a story like this. I think you saw that with Harvey Weinstein, for example, in terms of everybody knew about this, but it was almost the worst best kept secret because everybody was really scared into not speaking about this and scared into not talking about it. I think what you have here is a case where people heard whisperings. They didn't know how legitimate what they had heard was. They didn't know how much validity they should be giving to the stories that they had heard, or they had experiences themselves that they thought were kind of maybe unimportant or maybe didn't mean anything or maybe we're just in the a much smaller scale of what these other women are describing and so when something like this comes out and people come forward with their stories of sexual assault all of these other people in Hollywood and who have interacted with this man Come forward and say, you know, my story is not necessarily the same, but I did hear this as well, or this small thing did happen to me. And those are the things that really add up. So I don't know this is necessarily a case of, you know, everyone knew about it, but no one said anything. I think it's more a case of a lot of people had experiences that they did not have the camaraderie of knowing was not just something that happened to only them.
0: Yes. And that's why the discourse that sometimes comes up when multiple women start to come forward, specifically when. You know, there are cases from years ago, which is, you know, to the tone of like, well, this feels very opportunistic, is so deeply infuriating because it completely removes the understanding, which to me is like the realist understanding, that Courage oftentimes can come in the form of numbers, and like you said, if we believed women the first time, we wouldn't be in this situation, right? But it took so long for us to even get to this point, and especially when you're in a situation that has made you feel shameful, of course, for something that you should not feel shame for, that you did nothing wrong in, and you sit with that alone in isolation, that can breed even more shame. So, just to see another person being able to come forward, it can give people the strength in a way that I think most people can't understand and. It's it's a conversation that can never be had too much, really. And this is a perfect example of that.
1: Yeah, it really is. It, it's something that always upsets me when something like this happens is that you see a reaction where the public has an easier time believing that a woman would come forward with a false accusation in an attempt to be somewhat opportunistic about it rather than believing the fact that something happened to them and they're coming forward and sharing their experience or that this person who is an actor or someone who's famous that they don't even know, we have an easier time, not we, you and I, I just mean the public, it seems like, has an easier time believing that somebody (laughs) just wants to take this person down than believing the fact that somebody that they don't know was capable of something terrible. And that's what's always such a big
0: issue. It's such a ridiculous argument because... It's not as though, number one, these women are gaining anything by resharing their trauma, but also just the very act of having to recount something as terrible as this is traumatic in and of itself. So it's the whole thing is so fucked up. I mean, it's very, very upsetting when you put it like that and you really understand the way that the public flocks to, like I said, this person that they
1: don't even know. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I also think that we all have to really consider the trauma of being assaulted by somebody and then having to turn on the TV or turn on your phone every single day and see them being praised by the public and the media for some small role that they have in a TV show or in an ad and then having to reconcile the fact that they did something awful to you and here's the rest of the public praising them. And I can't even begin to imagine how traumatic that is for somebody to have to go through also just in terms
0: of the additional fallout on friday his agency a3 artist agency dropped him as a client and peloton pulled the ad that they created with him and ryan reynolds and also peloton and ryan reynolds you know made statements saying that at the time of creating this they of course had no idea of the accusations so oh just a lot and obviously you guys know our stance on it in terms of believing these women and just the bravery but it's, it's just wild how these things can be
1: under wraps for so long. Yeah, I know it really is.
0: I know a lot of people are looking for shows to binge over the holidays and I have a really good one for you guys, especially because the finale is on January 16th. So if you start it now, you have plenty of time to get caught up. It's Showtime's latest show called Yellow Jackets. And First of all, it's a Stellar Cast, Christina Ricci, Juliette Lewis, Tawny Cypress, Sophie Thatcher, plenty more. And it's basically part survival epic, part psychological horror, and part coming-of-age drama. So the plot is this high school girl soccer team who survives a plane crash deep in the remote wilderness. And you're basically watching them go from this thriving team to almost a group of savages that are just trying to survive. And so you see their experience from when it actually happened in 1996, but also the survivors' lives in present day, which is 25 years later. And it's just really interesting because you kind of explore the concept of survival and what you would do and what you're capable of when you're really just doing every single thing in your power to survive. So catch up now before the season finale on January 16th. New episodes of Yellow Jackets drop every Sunday at midnight on Showtime. Also, I'm sure you guys saw this, but TMZ reported that John Mulaney and Olivia Munn had their baby boy last month. So Olivia reportedly gave birth on November 24th. So that puts the conception somewhere around February, early March. And I just briefly want to remind everyone of the timeline, or I guess the apparent timeline, which was December 2020, John Mulaney enters rehab. February of this year, he leaves rehab, and May of this year is when him and his ex-wife, Anna Marie Tendler's split is announced. So if you remember on May 20th, when she Instagrammed that photo that we have brought up numerous times with the caption, dinner in March, and it's her alone looking very sad at the dinner table, that photo now has a whole new context given,
1: in my opinion, this timeline. I think so too. It's always funny with celebrity babies to me because I remember a couple of weeks ago thinking like, "Oh my God, John Mulaney and Olivia Munn must be having this baby any day now." I feel like she's been pregnant for forever, and then she had the baby, and I did the math in my head, and I was like, "Whoa, that's way earlier than I thought." Yeah, no, it it really happened very quick. I mean,
0: I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see how this relationship progresses. I, I, I have nothing else to add that I think is necessary. But I my concluding thought is that I will be interested to see how the relationship plays out. That's
1: all. Listen, this is no Kim and P in terms of just crazy celebrity stories, but I will say this is one of the more wild ones of the year.
0: Oh, for sure. It's just, it's a total wild card, but to me what it lacks, and this isn't a bad thing. It's just so many times with wild card romances, it's like exactly the kim and pete thing of like this lighthearted fun fling and nothing about this felt lighthearted or fun and obviously it ended with a child so it definitely got a little more serious than maybe either of them anticipated definitely yeah okay a few other things we want to mention before we get into the kardashian recap number one is that beyonce is officially on tiktok and at the time we're recording this she has not posted any videos but I will be very curious to see if the tone on TikTok is just as curated
1: as it is on Instagram. I think it will be exactly as curated. The only reason that Beyonce on TikTok is interesting is not because of what will be posted on there. It's interesting because it absolutely unequivocally means that new music is coming and that's the story. No, completely. It's just like, as we know, the celebrities that have been the most successful on
0: TikTok have been the most quote normal and really like humanize themselves and interact with the audience and are doing duets and stitches. And I know that that's not part of Beyonce's playbook and she definitely does not need to do that in order to stay relevant or as esteemed. Like I get it. It's just when she's on that platform where that's how your average celebrity operates, like it's just a funny thing to consider how I mean, in my belief, she will go completely the opposite of that.
1: If she was really funny and she really wanted to fuck with us, she would have joined TikTok as Blue and Beyonce. Oh, my God. Fucking P and North keeping it alive. I couldn't have more opinions on something in terms of of North and Penelope's TikTok, and it's something that I feel passionately about. And I texted Isabel the other day, and I was like, listen, I love Penelope's presence as much as the next guy. I need her to be a little less curated. North is giving us content every single day, multiple times a day, and I need Penelope to channel a little bit more of that energy.
0: Well, Penelope's like definitely a little bit more reserved. You know, she's also, I think, like so focused on the aesthetics. It's really interesting how these seven second videos really showcase the personality and the differences in personalities of these little girls. Absolutely. I don't know if anyone else cares about this, but. What is going on with Julia Hart from My Unorthodox Life? Like, What is your take? Do you think that her and Silvio are getting divorced? And do you think that it's going to be the plot of My Unorthodox Life season two? Because there are conflicting reports. Page Six initially said that they are splitting. Then she posted them. But apparently it was a photo that was from a while ago because he has been in
1: Mexico. Like, I don't know what's going on. I don't know either. I wouldn't be surprised if they're splitting and it's not because of the relationship we saw them have. I actually thought they had a really great relationship from what I observed and what we saw on the show. I wouldn't be surprised if they're splitting because I think that's what fame can do to a relationship. And you saw that with Ben and Batsheva. And so if this is the case for Julia, I think it would absolutely come as a result of a lifestyle that maybe he didn't want rather than a lack of love in their relationship. Totally. And even when I think about season one, one of their points of contention,
0: and I recognize a lot of the show was contrived, but it was the fact that he felt like they really lacked spending quality time together. And she's very hardworking. He's very hardworking. They really respect that in one another, but he did feel like they needed to have a little bit more time just them together. And so if that was already a frustration that he was having, assuming that that's real, then now with this newfound fame, I can only imagine that the time they get together is even more limited. And so like, if, if we're going with that being real, that could be a deal breaker. Who the fuck knows? I just am interested in it.
1: I'm fascinated by it. It'll be really interesting also to see about their working relationship because they still are in business together. He still owns technically her company. Oh, totally. And like, let's say hypothetically speaking, they are splitting
0: up and- this is all going to be covered on season two, it would be her split up and then
1: also Batsheva, her daughter split up on one season. A mother-daughter divorce plotline would certainly get me to watch any TV show. I'll tell you that much. Oh yeah.
0: First of all, they didn't need to do anything. I was sold on season two no matter what. Same, obviously. Okay, let's take a break and come back with a Kardashian recap. (laughs) Paid ad from Spot Pet Insurance. Waiting periods, annual deductible, co-insurance, benefit limits, and exclusions may apply. For all terms, visit spotpetins.com/sample-policy. Insurance plans are underwritten by either Independence American Insurance Company or United States Fire Insurance Company, and produced by Spot Pet Insurance Services LLC. Live Nation presents Concert Week from now through May 14th. Get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists. Like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, New Kids on the Block, Sean Paul, Some 41 Whitney Cummings, and many more for way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love, all summer long, for just $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash concertweek to buy now. That's Livenation.com slash concertweek to buy now. It is absolutely essential that we talk about the screenshot Kim posted
1: of her conversation with Mason after North went live on TikTok. That was one of the greatest pieces of content I feel I've ever been given from the family. I'm not kidding.
0: No, me too. I mean, I'm sure you all saw this, but in case you didn't, let me give you a 30-second recap. Basically, Kim and North have this joint TikTok account, and North is not supposed to be going live. She went live. She goes into Kim's room on live and she says, mom, I'm live. And you see Kim, you know, get really upset and immediately it cuts out. And on Mason's 11th birthday, Kim posted a screenshot of her text conversation with him after that happened when he said, hi, I don't want to disrespect North, but I don't think she should do the lives unless someone's with her. These people are always screen recording and she might tell information that isn't correct and stuff like that, that she will regret. I did the exact same thing as she did. I would do the lives and now I regret saying one of the things that I said just in case for safety. And Kim says, I appreciate you looking out, Mason. And I agree. She felt bad and I don't think she'll do it again, but it could be good if you talked to her about it. He said, I'd love to talk to her about it. Next time I come over, maybe. She goes, I would love that. Thank you. Sleepover soon. (laughs) What a young man. First of all, the fact that he started it out with, I don't want to disrespect North, but on top of that, the lives that he's referring to is when he used to do those Instagram lives and the quote tea that he would spill was if Kylie and Travis were still together. Like people would ask that in the comment section and he would reply. And Kim was saying how, when that happened, you know, he got in a lot of trouble and obviously it was something that really stuck with him. But the fact that he now just a short year or two later has this whole more
1: like mature mindset on it. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's incredible to watch these kids grow up into their own people. I'm not kidding. Like, I know we were talking about it so much in regard to Penelope and North on TikTok and to see their way their personalities shine through. But the fact of the matter is, is that we've watched Mason and all of them, but specifically Mason since the day he was born, like literally since the day Courtney pulled him out. And of all of the kids, he was the one that was really shown the most on the show. And to see him really growing into himself and become this like mini respectful version of Scott is like, it's it's like watching somebody you know grow up, except you don't know him.
0: That is exactly how I feel. And we've spoken about this moment so much recently, but when Courtney is crying into that Blackberry on Courtney and Chloe take Miami and she's saying to Scott, I love Mason more than I love you. It's like, this is the Mason she was referring to. Right. Like, this like, is That's the same kid. No, it's so wild. And it's so crazy because there were like some people in our DMs like, oh, this is so fake. And it's like, I'm not here to fight. Your opinion is your opinion. But if you think that Kim is doctoring a text conversation to make an 11 year old look a little bit more mature than, we're living in two separate worlds because, to me, this was the realest thing ever.
1: <laughs> yeah, I I never even had that moment of this isn't real because, of course, it is. Like, uh, also, by the way, do you know Scott Disick? Like, this is his kid. No, th- it was the best thing ever, and I I genuinely
0: do believe that North felt that. Like when Kim was saying that, I believe her, and I think that she has Kanye in her. You know, as Kim was saying, like she is Kanye West's daughter, and she has that little bit of rebellious tendencies. But at the end of the day, like when Kim gets upset about something, I think she explains it to her in a way that makes sense. And so I don't think this is going to be a pattern that she does, especially if Mason does talk to her, but it's just so interesting watching him in the last few years really have a more well-rounded understanding of their fame level and how the information that he may think is trivial really carries in terms of like the greater media headlines.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, it's funny that you just said that thing about North being Kanye, because Kim said that in her Barry Weiss interview, where she said, Northwest is Kanye West's daughter, like they are one and the same. And I was thinking about that so much in terms of the way that Kim talks about Kanye. And I think that plays a huge role in terms of the way she describes some of his personality traits as being positive personality traits, because she sees so much of that in North. And I think Kim is really careful in terms of the fact that she knows that there's so much of Kanye in North, but also North knows that. And she would never want to put anything negative out about Kanye that would then be a reflection of North's personality. And I think that was the first time that it really connected for me in terms of her doing that, not just for the purpose of not disrespecting their father, but for not making North feel like any of her qualities are anything to be ashamed of because they're not.
0: Oh, completely. It's,
1: it's far more
0: nuanced than just, we're co-parenting and so I want to be civil. Right. Yeah. And the other thing that happened this week is the legal documents that came out where Kim is basically asking to be legally single while the rest of the divorce proceedings take place. And the kind of biggest headline about this was, quote, irreconcilable differences have led to the irremediable breakdown of the marriage and there's no possibility of saving the marriage through counseling or other means the continued maintenance of technical marital status between west and kardashian serves no useful purpose and there's no reason to maintain the legal relationship which to me just feels completely on par with what we've been saying for the last like six months of she's done she's absolutely done with this in in the most respectful way possible like Get me the fuck out of here is how I think she feels.
1: I think so too. And it's interesting because I think that in the very beginning of this, when the divorce was first announced and when the split was really highly speculated, there was a part of me that thought they could get back together and thought they could maybe work things out. As it's become more public and as he's become more public about wanting her back, I know like beyond any doubt that she is just done. The more he does publicly, the more done she is. Right. Just, did I not say that from day one though? The second this came out, I was like, she's done.
0: Oh yeah, you did, but you've known she's been done for a while. I felt she was done way before she ever filed. I just could not imagine that Kim, who is so intentional with the way that she handles things, could tolerate for her nervous system, really, you know, just the way that Kanye kind of handles their personal business. I think that it's a deal breaker. I think so too. Oh, wild. Also, we're not really going to spend a lot of time on this because I know last week we kind of made a pact that we are going to give Tristan as little attention as possible, but just an update that all of the court proceedings between him and Marilyn Nichols, this woman who he allegedly had this child with are still happening. And He did say in one of the most recent documents that they had consensual casual sex on a sporadic basis between December 2020 and March 13th. So that is confirmation. Not that we doubted it ever, but um,
1: he is just a fucking cheater. I can't believe – I really hope he gets help, honestly, because I can't imagine a scenario in which he's happy in the way that everyone's lives is so – affected by what a terrible person he is. Yeah. He's just so narcissistic that I don't think he cares. I think at a certain point, unless you're cross that line from narcissism to sociopathy, which again, like I, I don't know the specifics behind and I'm not going to sit here and pretend that I do, but I think at a certain point as a father now of three, you have to hit that point of, like, I can't let my actions affect people like this. I mean, and maybe you don't. I Maybe that's wishful thinking. I just – I can't imagine where anybody who feels an ounce of guilt or a sense of, like, wanting to not inflict harm on other people can allow themselves to operate like this.
0: Yeah. I don't know. That's obviously my wish, but I have lost every single ounce of hope, expectation, all of the benefits of the doubt that I felt like we tried to give him in the past, it's it's long gone. The guy is a raging asshole with an inability to just jerk off and not have sex.
1: It's really terrible. Like, by the way, try it. <laughs> You'd love it.
0: You might love it. <laughs> this is a good time to do like our uh, my, my four yad.
1: <laughs> we more- should. We should put it in after every Tristan section. <laughs>
0: That four-year shit works, I am telling you. Like, really, truly does, the arousal one or whatever the fuck it's called. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so last thing we wanted to say is that apparently Kylie had her baby shower at Chloe's new house, the one that is right next to Kim's. It was apparently a very kind of intimate gathering, just the family and a few other people. But she's also another one that's due any day now. I was going to say, I feel like she's been pregnant for the past a year. She has, and she's been so kind of silent recently that the timeline has just become even more ambiguous in a way.
1: I hope we get a lot of photos. I can't wait to see Stormy as a big sister. I know. I know. Oh, wow. So many things
0: just happened. Big episode. I know. And I know for a 100% fact, Julie, that we're going to release this episode, which by the way, I didn't say this in the beginning. We're recording this on Sunday night because we wanted to get it up as early as possible on Monday. I know we've in the past straight away from doing that because things break on Monday, but we figured there's enough content. So if something major breaks, we'll just talk about it in a midweek recap. But um, wow, I don't even know what just happened. That was amazing. That was so much fun. Time of my life, kid. I know. So, okay, we have two more episodes this week the Kardashian bonus show slash midweek recap, depending on what happens. Isabel and I are back for Bravo. And then we are off until the first Monday in January, which I believe is January 3rd, right? Wow. Yeah. Happy new year. Yeah. Happy new year. I mean, we'll say bye to you guys a little bit later on, but thank you. I mean, you guys know how we feel. It's like we genuinely feel like the luckiest people ever. And, uh, Thanks for listening and and letting us do this for another year. We feel so, so fortunate and grateful. Anything else? I think that's it. Okay, we love you guys so much. So I'm a big fan of transparency across all aspects of life. Like generally speaking, there's pretty much nothing I wouldn't rather be told straight up. But specifically when I'm buying something or paying for a service,